The Mental Health and Wealth Show. The Mental Health and Wealth Show. The Mental Health and Wealth Show. This is Melanie Lockhart, host of the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Thank you for listening. I just wanted to start the show with saying that I am not a mental health professional or a financial professional. All content should not be considered professional, medical, or financial advice. I want to let you know that as a trigger warning, please note that content on the podcast can include topics like mental health and suicidal ideation and talk about a lot of sensitive topics. So please know that before listening. If you are currently in distress, please get in touch with a professional by texting HOME to 741-741. This is Melanie Lockhart, host of the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Today, we're going to be talking about something that is near and dear to my heart, and that is student loans and how they affect mental health. I started my blog, Dear Debt, in 2013 because I was deeply depressed about my student loan debt. Today, I'll be speaking with Travis Hornsby of Student Loan Planner. His team creates customized student loan plans for high debt borrowers. Full disclosure, I've had the privilege of working with him, and today we're going to dive into the mental health survey that we worked on together. First off, Travis, tell us a little bit about who you are, who you serve, and give us some context around who took this mental health survey. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on your show, first off, Melanie. Uh, really excited to see what kind of work you're going to continue to do for student loan borrowers. So the survey that we did was basically mostly people who were professionals. So about 70% of people owed more than $100,000 of student loan debt. Wow. And most most of the people that responded to the survey, yeah, so it's, it is the larger debt group. So that's that could potentially you know, bias the results in saying that it's representative of borrowers as a whole. But I, I do think it's pretty representative of high debt borrowers. And so in terms of what professions, I mean, really any profession you can think of that has more than 100,000 of student loans is going to be represented in this survey. So dentists, veterinarians, physicians, lawyers, et cetera, are in that survey. And then also, you know, obviously people with bachelor's degrees too, that owe 30,000 are in there too. It's just, they're in there a little bit less than they are in the population at large, right? Because if, if you think about it, like your, your student loan debt at 30K is kind of like a car loan. There's not a lot of people that are, you know, considering suicide over their car loans. You don't really ever hear that coming up, right? Yeah. And so I, I think that that's, that's a little bit of color that I wanted to give. Thank you for giving us some context around the survey. So first of all, before I move on, I want to hear your story about starting Student Loan Planner. Oh, yeah, that's right. And who am I, right? Because your listeners don't, yeah, don't know. Yeah, who are you? And, and you know, what do you do? I want to give my audience the whole kind of range of what you guys do, because I think what you guys do are awesome. Yeah, so we make customized student loan plans for people who are more than $100,000. So, you know, we'll go into different payment options, tax filing strategies, different ways that you can refinance or not refinance if you need to go for forgiveness. And we'll figure it out for you so you can spend your time doing something else that you enjoy more. I love that because personal finance is so personal and everyone's situation is different. So, you know, forgiveness might be good for somebody, but refinancing might be the option for somebody else. And it's not just blanket advice about this is, you know, what's good for you. It's really personalized given the situation. Yeah. And I'm really glad that we do it the way we do it in a sense that we have a business case for discussing all different scenarios. So, I mean, not to say that another company doesn't try to do what's in the best interest of a borrower, but there is definitely a little bit of a conflict when, you know, you only make money if the answer is X. Right. Totally. And ethical salespeople can always try to pull somebody out of that 
like the, you, you know, an ethical salesperson is going to try to find you the right solution, even if it's not them. Right. But at the same time that, you know, that really does create kind of like an unavoidable conflict when you do have one kind of path that you're only making money on. So I'm, I'm mainly thinking about like private student loans, right. For school or like refinancing, you know, like you can make a lot of money doing that. And there are some companies out there that kind of, I guess, claim to do what we do, except they give away free consults, for example, and then they make maybe a ton of money on refinancing. So it's like, well, are you sure you can trust that advice? Like, you know, yeah, I mean, that's all they're pushing. <laughs> Right. Like it's, it's kind of like, I want to go to a professional where you pay a fee for the advice that's supposed to be in your best interest versus something that, you know, it's like you only get paid if you operate. Like I wouldn't want to go to a physician like that. Would you? No, definitely not. Well, thanks so much. I want to dive into this mental health cervix. I found a lot of juicy statistics, and I think this is something that we need to be talking about more. This is why I'm starting this podcast, the mental health and wealth show to really dive into this intersection that I think is not talked about. So the survey found that one in 15 borrowers have considered suicide because of their student loan debt. Why do you think that is? So why do I think that one in 15 borrowers have considered suicide because of their debt? I think that the caveat is, is that most of the people that took our survey owed 100000 or more, right? Mm-hmm. And when you owe so much more than what you earn, you feel like this is a crushing burden that you're never going to be done with. Because consider this, if you pay one times, you know, or 1% of your income towards your loans, it's going to take you 10 years to pay it off, right? So if your debt to income ratio, if if what you earn and what you owe is about the same, then you paying 1% of your income every single month is going to get you done in 10 years. So that's like, you know, a 12% tax or something like that. And it's actually kind of worse than that because, you're also having to pay income taxes to get that take-home money to spend on your loans, right? Because mm-hmm. student loans aren't deductible on your income taxes. So so that means you really got to go out and earn like 15, 20%, maybe if you're in California or something, to pay your loans. Yeah, taxes are high here. <laughs> they are. And and that's and that feels like a required payment. And so it's just like crushing, right? Because mm-hmm. you just feel like, oh my gosh, like I'm never going to get ahead. I'm never going to save. I'm never going to start a family. I'm never going to buy a house. I'm never going to be anything but this professional that I thought was going to be this great profession. And then I actually got into it and I'm like, oh man, I would have loved to have tried being a writer or being a performer or like comedian or, you know, whatever, like all these different things that people have existential crises and and learn that they enjoy more. Like you can't, you feel like you can't do that because you owe this mortgage on your brain. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then I think you kind of think like the only way out is to just end it. Like, I think that's kind of the thought process as like, if you enjoy what you do, you're probably going to be okay mentally because you're like, well, I really like what I do and this debt is crushing and terrible and I have problems with it, but at least it's something that I enjoy. I think that my thought process is like the folks that it really hurts are people that like really want to have an opportunity to do something else. Yeah. I think a lot of people feel stuck, right? They just feel stuck in maybe a job they don't want or yeah. just kind of stuck to paying off this debt forever and feeling like they have a lack of choices, which leads to a lack of hope, which then can lead to suicidal ideation. Well, I don't want to compare student loans to mass incarceration or anything, Mm -hmm. but it it is a little bit like being in prison, or at least I feel like you can feel like it it is. Maybe if you've never never been or something, I feel like it's a similar feeling where you're like, well, I am sentenced to a lifetime of debt all because of a decision I made in my 20s. And I would like more than anything to be free of that pain. You know, and so I think the the another stat that came out of that survey was nine in ten borrowers have severe anxiety about their loans. 
That's you know, so we have anxiety about a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, so basically everybody, like if you owe over a hundred thousand dollars, you're going to be freaked out about it at some point. And anything that adds to like, so, you know, say somebody already has a little bit of like things existing from a mental health perspective, then if you add student loans to that, it's just going to make it even more intense, right? Like it's just another thing that could push somebody over the edge where if they felt like maybe everything else was going okay with their finances and they had just some other issues they were dealing with, you know, you would probably see fewer suicides. I mean, that's one of the goals of student loan planner in general is to save lives. We obviously have to stay in business to do that. But the content that we create, my goal is that somebody would read some of it and is going to say, you know what, like, I'm not as in bad shape as I thought I was. This is a terrible debt. But at the end of the day, like your debt's either a debt or it's a tax. And with the ability to pay based on your income, you can really treat your loans like a you know, 10% tax on your income. And then when you work out the tax bomb, it works out maybe like a 5% extra amount that you're putting away to have your loans forgiven when you have to pay the you have to pay income taxes when your loans are forgiven if you're not doing PSLF, you know, the nonprofit thing. So that's, you know, 15% tax in your income, where if you made nothing, it's 15% of nothing, right? And if you made 50,000, it's 15% of that. Yeah. And so you're referring to income driven repayment. I just want to kind of scale back for our listeners who might not know that this is an option for them. So you're referring to paying 10 to 20% of your income for 20 to 25 years under income-driven repayment, which can lead to student loan forgiveness at the end. But yes, you do have to pay taxes on that forgiven amount. Correct. Exactly. And yeah, I can get a little jargony sometimes, right? (laughs) So basically you can pay for 20 years, give or take 20 to 25 years. And at the end, you have to pay income tax on like anything that's left over, you know? So if you've been paying nothing on your loans because your income has been nothing, you'll have this giant tax bomb that you owe the IRS all at once. Yeah. Right. I think that's so important to mention. It is. It is. And and in the if you're like government or nonprofit sector, then you can do the same thing, but only for 10 years. And then there's no tax on the forgiven balance. Yeah. PSLF is definitely a good option for those working in nonprofits or the government sector. For sure. Right. And so the so if you think about the like nature of it being a tax, that really frees somebody mentally because if you're making 50,000 and you're paying, you know, 10% of your loans, it's 5,000 and you're putting 5% into an account for your future tax hit, that's say 2,500. So that's like $7,500 towards your loans, which is a lot, but that's something that you could do. Whereas if you were having to pay, like say you had 400,000 in loans and you were paying $4,000 a month, 48,000 a year, like that's something that's just crushing to do and would force you to stay in the profession you're in, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely. So that's real important. That's real important. I just wanted to mention that because that's why you can view your loans as a tax. And if you do, then if you wanted to be a stand-up comedian, you could do that because you're paying a percentage of your income towards your loans. And basically the consequence of you making this choice educationally in your 20s is just basically you turn into a citizen of like Germany where you have to pay, you know, higher taxes instead of a person in the United States where you have lower tax rates, right? So that's the wonderful news is like anybody who's struggling about their student loans, they might have like very real things that would still cause them to need to talk to a mental health professional. So I don't want to minimize that. But if your primary stress is your student loans, it's I think because you don't know the rules well enough to know that you shouldn't be so stressed about it. 
I love that. Thank you for sharing that and definitely want to provide some hope and some options on this episode. So I wanted to dive into talking about the survey found that dentists considered suicide more than any other professions. Why do certain professions like dentists or doctors or veterinarians seem to have higher rates of suicide or suicidal ideation? I think people are really freaked out about suicide with a firearm. Like just to be really frank, you know, and when you think about that, it just kind of like it's a horror it's jarring. story for yeah. a lot of people. Like they've it's jarring. It's like you're totally kind of defacing yourself. I mean, like literally, I guess, but you're disfiguring your body. It seems so violent and painful, even, even though it's like pretty instantaneous, right? Yeah. And so I think that with medical professionals, part of it is like an availability part of things, right? Because if you don't have access to a firearm, you're less likely to kill yourself, basically. And if you look at access to medications, veterinarians, dentists, and physicians have a lot of access to controlled substances. Wow. I'd never thought about that, but that is so obvious. Well, it's true, right? And and the exception to that is lawyers have high suicide rates and they have access. So there are maybe some exceptions to that, but I would say like at, at a high level, do you have access to controlled substances? For veterinarians, they're doing euthanasia all the time. So it's really easy. They can put down a horse, you know, with one little injection. So obviously they can put down a human. And then for a physician or a dentist, you know, a dentist has a lot of access to medications that they can kind of turn into what they need. And same thing for physician, it's it's kind of similar. I think that for other professions, they they find ways to do it. But I think that, you know, if you're a lawyer who's used to doing a lot of research on something on arcane topics that people don't really want to know about, maybe, right? <laughs> yeah. Like maybe you're, you're I, I don't know, I'm, I'm just kind of guessing here, but you're learning, you know, how to figure out a murder case or something like something like really kind of unpleasant. And you probably are pretty good at figuring out how to die too. So I think it's, it's unfortunate because I just think access is important for people actually following through with it. And that's the sad part is these professions like dentists and others have high access. Yeah, I think it's high access. And all of these professions that we've talked about typically graduate with more than six figures in debt. And, you know, kind of like we talked about, feel like they might be stuck in that profession or that they'll never be debt free and be able to really pursue any other kind of dreams aside from that. Yeah, I think the Maslow's self-actualization, right, is the highest need psychologically. And so when you graduate, you think you're going to be this wealthy professional. You think you're going to have it so easy. It's going to be a wonderful life. You're going to you know, be able to buy this nice house and have financial abundance. But then you graduate and instead there's so many new grads because the student loan money is so easy that everybody is going to school, right? Mm -hmm. And then, so that pushes down wages. And then plus you have so much debt then you're, you know, so the story that you'd painted for yourself as to why you did this life path is totally not happening and you feel like a failure, yeah. right? And when you feel like a complete failure, then you think, well, I'm in so much pain, I'm a failure, wouldn't it be so much better off if I wasn't here? Like that kind of thought process is something that, I mean, it makes, unfortunately, it makes sense to me why people follow this thought process when they have all these loans, because I think that they feel like they're not as successful as they thought they were going to be. And they just feel the weight and the pain from that. And I think that that's why the survey found that, that finding about professionals. Yeah, I think a lot of people do conflate their net worth with their self-worth. I know that's something that I did when I was paying off my debt and felt so extremely depressed. And I think it's so important to remind anybody that's listening that you are not your debt. And 
debt is never a death sentence and should never be a reason why you should harm yourself. And there is hope out there and there's lots of things that you can do. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit later. But I also wanted to talk about another part of the survey that I found interesting was that the top cause of mental health issues was actually burnout and not the student loan payments themselves. So it's not that these you know, burdensome student loan payments are driving people to anxiety and depression. It was really the feeling of burnout was the top cause. Do you have any tips for managing burnout or any kind of insight about that? I mean, I went through burnout, but in a privileged sense. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah. I'll explain what I mean. I used to be a bond trader and I thought my dream was to work at a specific big name company and manage billions of dollars and be an executive and all those things. And I got there and it wasn't what I expected. And I just got totally exhausted by just big corporate environment, like the big corporate environment. It just killed me. It just wasn't my personality. But I had this big thought of what it was going to be. And then I had to face reality. And this happened over a course of like three years. And so that's why I say privileged burnout, because I had absolutely no reason or no justification for being burned out after only a few years in, in like the workforce. Mm-hmm. But but that's how I felt. And I remember that all I could think about was how much I was so depressed every day. I was so sad that like I had done so much work to this path and it wasn't working out like I thought it was going to. And I, I just, I remember at one point I cried, like you know, I sat down in one of my buddy's cars and, and, you know, I, I tend to not cry very much. And I just wept. I was so broken. Like, I was just like, wow, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And I'm so depressed. And I've had these big plans and, you know, everybody was counting on me. Right. Cause I mean, that's probably a little bit of an arrogance problem. Right. But you know, everybody, everybody was thinking I was going to be this great thing. And then I'm turning out I'm underachiever, you know, at my yeah, job. There's this crisis of identity. Yeah. Like, I mean, I remember one time I got like a, somebody mentioned like that I wasn't doing a great job at my job and it, it made sense because I was depressed. I was not doing what I needed to do to be a, a top performer. And so burnout, I totally get it. Like people, they do the same thing over and over again. It's totally different from what they thought their profession was going to be. And the burdens that you're asked to bear without proper counseling just weigh on you. And you're just like thinking in your head, you know, screw this. I'd give anything in my power to not do this anymore. And I don't, I don't care what I'd have to do, Yeah, you know, and I see that pain on like, you know, my wife's a physician. I've, we have a lot of physician friends. I can see that pain on some of their faces where it's like, they just have all these records that they have to deal with, like, you know, all these different electronic medical records things, and they have to note take everything they do. And they have to deal with very, very difficult patients sometimes that are just really abusive. And then the hospital comes down to them and it's like, why aren't you doing more surgeries? Why aren't you hitting more revenue targets for us? You know, and it's just like, nobody lets them actually just do what they wanted to do, which is to help people, right? Yeah. So I think that that kind of happens sometimes where like burnout causes just depression, which kind of leads to those mental health problems because you feel hopeless and helpless. Yeah. And I thought you brought up a good point about burnout when, you know, you're kind of expected to do something else than just what you thought you were supposed to do. Maybe you got into profession because you wanted to help people, but then because of the organization, the company, the rules, you end up kind of being stuck in this box in a way you have to behave and the way you have to do things. And it can totally make sense why that would lead to burnout or feelings of frustration because all of these ideas that you had about how you would do your job and how you would affect other people's lives 
suddenly is being managed by somebody else and you're living for somebody else's dream. Yeah, I think part of it is like back in my grandparents' generation, they had the war and the Great Depression, right? And so like their biggest, most wonderful thing ever was having like a stable job that they actually could come home and have food and not have to worry about the world falling apart, you know? So like, I think, I think that was their mindset. And then our mindset, like we've grown up in a little bit more stable world and we're kind of like, wow, we only have one life to live. Why would I live it like living on an assembly line, right? Mm -hmm. Like just because that, like you kind of compare what you have to like what you could have, right? For example, I bet like the people in the the model T factory when they were standing doing a thousand tires a day, right? Like that was probably a lot better than like breaking your back, you know, plowing a field or something. Yeah. Like that. I don't know, maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think for, for burnout, like the key is to go and free yourself and do something different, like demand that you get a break from your job, get a sabbatical, like quit your job if you need to quit your job or talk to your boss about FMLA options or just unpaid leave or, you know, you think that you can't do it, but that's just totally not true. You absolutely can. And you might actually find something that you do like more in this period of a sabbatical. Like I think anybody can take two years off from a profession and come back from it. Like it might be hard. It might not be easy. But if you can take two years off, I think that'll be enough to reset you to go back if you have to feel like you have to go back or to maybe use those two years to pivot to something you enjoy more. Love that. I think that's super great tips. Um, I also wanted to talk to you, you know, you've seen a lot of clients who come to you feeling suicidal about their debt. They're very depressed that you and I've talked about how a lot of people have come to my blog, Googling, I want to kill myself because of debt. And there's so many stories of student loan borrowers who are feeling this way. I wanted to ask you, do you have a positive story that you can share on how student loan planner has helped a borrower who might've been in this situation or how you have kind of helped someone move and see the light and see some hope again. I had one person who felt pretty burnt out. She was a dentist and she was going to kind of keep working in this area that she didn't want to be in because she needed to make money for her loans. Like that was her thought. Right. Mm -hmm. And we explained to her, like after hearing more about her situation, what she wanted, we found out that like, she really wanted to be in the middle of nowhere like cabin in the woods yeah. with her spouse, you know, just like not stressed, right? And not having to worry about how much money she made. She just wanted to do dentistry and that's it. And so we kind of showed her and explained that public service loan forgiveness program and explained how that would really kind of eliminate the need for her to have a particular wage because she didn't need to pay the debt off if she did that. And that was the thing that sparked a light bulb in her head. So then she actually ended up getting a job like in the woods somewhere at a Native American reservation and gets loan forgiveness for that. And that's going to take care of her student loan burden. And she sent me a message several months back and said, I built a cabin in the woods uh-huh. and I'm the happiest I've ever been. Oh, I you know? love that. So how cool is that? That is so cool. And she told me another she told me another story too about how like the opportunity that she was going to sign up for, like the person ended up being a really toxic like boss, basically. You know, I mean, so that would have been a horrible situation to like wed yourself to because she was thinking about owning some of the business too. So like that would have prevented her from walking away. So just by her having that broader view of what she was capable of doing, that opened up her world so much. And now she's living her best life instead of living this depressed life, right? I love that. I think it's so important for people to kind of expand out and see what's possible. And I think that's 
where it gets difficult for people who are feeling so depressed, who are feeling so anxious because they're kind of stuck in this feeling that nothing will get better and there are no options. And I, I know that's how I felt when I was paying down my debt. I was so close to the experience that I couldn't see the big picture. But if you zoom out and look at these other options, you're like, oh, actually there are different ways that I can make this work and not let it ruin my life. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and and there are some more alarming cases, right? So we've had people email us and say, I'm jumping off this bridge at this time because this is the only way out. Oh my gosh. You know, terrible stuff. It's terrifying. But the, but the thing is, is if but the thing is, is like if we can get that person before they're at the crisis level where they need to be calling the like the national suicide hotline, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like say we get somebody like at an earlier stage than that, we can take that worry off, right? Like we can take that depression off just by explaining like, hey, did you know that you could pay, you know, $500 a month on your loans, right? I mean, just all kinds of things that allow somebody to have a more free lifestyle where that they're that person that like, is living that best life in the woods, in the cabin, like just doing everything they thought that they were going to do and more. And that's what we want to create more of. So like another happy example, because it's good to end on happy notes, not sad notes, right? Yeah. There was another couple who really wanted to do like travel medicine. Like they're really into it. They thought it would be the funnest thing ever, but they felt so chained to this PSLF public service loan forgiveness program that requires you to be somewhere for 10 years. Yeah, that's right? a lot. It is. And they're like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to work at a specific type of hospital full time because for my profession, that means like you're, you know, having to do all this stuff that they would rather not do basically in terms of number of hours worked and all these things. And so they're like, we feel like we have no choice. And I said, well, actually, if you did this travel medicine, you know, you could use a lot of write-offs on your income to still get forgiveness. Because you could write off a lot of the the income, and so your payment's based on your taxable income, right? So they were able to lower down their income a whole bunch, and instead of going for that nonprofit kind of forgiveness, they were able to go for that 20 or 25-year income-driven forgiveness and make a plan for that. And so what that allowed them to do is to go take off and do travel medicine right now while they're in their 30s, while they're healthy, before they have kids, while they can see like a ton of the world and a ton of the country and that's totally responsible for their student loans. And if they have a problem, you know, with their uh, making too much money or deciding like, you know what, I want to go back and and go for PSLF, then they can do that too, right? Like you yeah. can come back and pick up where you left off when you're ready to settle down because you have a one and a three-year-old, right? So that was really exciting for that couple because they did not need to stay in one area. They were able to live this mobile lifestyle instead, right? So one kind of theme that I tell people is your loans absolutely do not need to affect your life. You just need to pay attention to them and make sure that you have a plan so that they don't. Yes, I love that. And I think what you offer to them is so brilliant and smart and kind of like what you said at the very end that, you know, they can come back to PSLF if they want. For people that are listening, your PSLF payments do not have to be consecutive. So I think they can just come back if that's an option that they want, but it sounds like this is a better route for them. Yeah. So that was super exciting. So last question, I want to know what actionable tips can you give student loan borrowers who are dealing with severe mental health issues or suicidal ideation because of their debt? What are their options? So I think that the National Suicide Hotline is going to come up with a really short code 
like instead of nine one one, isn't it going to be something else? I saw a story. I think about it's nine eight eight. Yeah, exciting. Nine eight eight. Yeah. So nine eight eight. So like, do that if you have a, a severe crisis, right? Like, and don't feel like your crisis is not severe enough. Nobody wants you to wait until it becomes severe, right? That doesn't make sense. So if you're if you're struggling to the point where you're like actively thinking about ways to hurt yourself and when, then call that kind of number. Yeah. If you're dealing with suicidal ideation, but you think it's kind of more of like a a depressive level, like where you think that like you're not actually thinking about ways and times and stuff like that, but you're at that earlier stage, you need to get help, right? You need to get a counselor. You need to go talk about what's aching you, what's causing you this pain. And then you also need to probably read a couple of our articles, like just literally type in student loan planner suicide, and you'll see a lot of articles rewritten about why this is like the furthest thing that you should be ever contemplating because of debt. Like there's other things that might cause pain that I'm not qualified to talk about, but debt should certainly not be one of those things that pushes you into those thoughts ever. So read those tips. I think that there might be some other low cost social services in your area as well that you might know about, Melanie. Yeah, I definitely want to recommend the site Aunt Bertha, which connects you to free or low-cost social services in your area. So definitely check that out. And I personally recommend Open Path Collective for affordable therapy and then also checking out any local graduate schools. A lot of their counseling centers have students who are practicing and have low-cost clinic times for people. And then also the crisis text line, text HOME to 741741. Yeah. And, you know, the last thing I'd say is if you're at a point where you want to plan where you're not, you know, to the level of a crisis, but you do want to make sure that you don't feel depression and, and just sadness about your debt situation anymore, you can do that. And we would love to help. And I'd like them, Melanie, to to use your specific link. That way they'll get an extra six months of follow-up questions via email if they do that. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So so our website, studentloanplanner.com slash dear debt. Yes. Our listeners can go to studentloanplanner.com forward slash dear debt to get any personalized student loan advice. And I think, you know, we just want to end on a high note and let people know that there are options. I know that you've written an article on people leaving the country and paying zero dollars on their student loans. There's public service loan forgiveness. There's income driven repayment, which also can lead to student loan forgiveness. There are options out there and we want to help. Thank you so much for being on the show, Travis. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. And if you want to know anything about me, just feel free to email me at mentalhealthandwealthshow at gmail.com. You can also connect with me at melanielockert.com or mentalhealthandwealth.com. We will be releasing this podcast every other week on Friday. So definitely stay tuned for some other exciting episodes coming your way. I would love for you to go to mentalhealthandwealth.com and check out our content, sign up for our newsletter. And if you like the show, feel free to subscribe and review. Thank you so much.